Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of Right Now-ish, coming to you today with a very special episode from our friends over at The Bay Podcast. This episode came out in April during National Poetry Month, and it features an interview with Nigela Mumin. She's a talented East Bay poet, an award-winning filmmaker, and a friend who I've known for years. Without further ado, I'll hand it over to The Bay. This episode contains some explicit language. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Remember when Lake Merritt was our little secret? Me and my friend, we walked around, we got numbers and everything. I think the boys were a lot more nicer in their approach to talking to us. Lake Merritt is our little secret. Daisy Dukes and Dante's smiling across the grass. Why I never get the numbers I want? Geese and gold rims and your mama set a curfew. Cruising is what they said we was doing, but we really just floating. On sticky car seats, hoping love will come through a tinted window. Water at our backs and a breeze through our bangs. I got this ring pop and he's looking at me, but who is that girl with the green eyes all on his mind? And why this other nigga following me so close? Oh, there go the police. But I'm hungry and my girl talking to some dude who keep looking at her butt. I was with her when she bought that bikini top. Our bodies are brown and sure. This lake just a mirror. And we walking, smiling into each other and running away from ourselves. It is National Poetry Month, y'all, and today we are switching things up. We talk so much on this show about what is happening here and what it means to live here. So today we're going to do that, but through the lens of poetry. You're going to hear from a filmmaker and poet whose work celebrates the Bay Area, its culture, and all of its complexities. It's the Bay Poetry Jam, y'all. More after this break. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. 
they aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. My name is Najla McMean. A lot of my poems will position the Bay Area in Oakland um, as a place where I kind of grew into the person that I am. But then there's this sense of longing in a lot of ways to return to that place that is rapidly changing. But I still have such a profound love for home and for all the memories and all the people that make up home to me. And so I think a lot of times in my poetry, I'm trying to preserve um, home and I'm trying to paint portraits. The festival at the lake was a very popular Black cultural event that happened in in Oakland when I was growing up, primarily, I guess, in the, the 90s. In that poem, I remember when Lake Barrett was our little secret. The hour really functions as the community. So the woman says Lake Merritt is our little secret. That means the people who were, you know, born and raised in Oakland, who are from the Bay, those are the people that are rooted in that city and know that lake in that area before it has become like a major attraction now and know that it was once this place that was not being patrolled and not being totally overtaken by different developers. And and it was a place where you could afford to live. So with the festival at the lake, um, the, the police, that became more of a kind of issue as the years went on with that festival, with them wanting to really control the the crowds. And I know people felt really encroached upon and really unsafe in different ways at that festival. So I really wanted to like show their presence there. So I do that in all of my poetry. There's a lot of joy in my poetry. Even in that poem, there's fun. But then there's also like undercurrents of sadness and danger and, you know, threats to life as an artist. Contradictions are really fascinating to me. And I think if you're trying to paint an image of a place or of home or of people, you cannot ignore behaviors or or events that conflict <laughs> with what is is happening. And I think that's just a part of human life. And it's a part of what makes art interesting and, and riveting and exciting and unexpected. I was born, you know, in Berkeley and then raised for the first parts of my life in East Oakland. I was a part of a very vibrant Muslim culture in Oakland. My father is a devout Muslim. It was just a, a world that 
I loved and that I really loved being a part of just this eclectic mix of African-American Muslim people that I would see and, you know, I would pray with. And my father used to, you know, sell scarves to this community and, and sell halal hot links. And my father, you know, was very animated. He would tell us stories. And that's really my earliest memories of Oakland are really like intertwined with those times I spent with my father. Being kind of shown environments <laughs> at a very young age that probably weren't appropriate for me to be in, like sideshows and, you know, barbecues where there might be a shootout, like things that were just very unexpected for me, but that I was introduced to growing up in, in Oakland. When my parents divorced, my mother uh, moved uh, my older brother and older sister to Hayward. But everyone would always claim Oakland, you know, as this kind of birthright. Like, I'm from Oakland, but I live in Hayward. It was interesting because living in Hayward really allowed me to, I think, become a writer and to read a lot because I had a lot of time to myself. I would be bored and I would just escape into these different literary worlds. It was a way for me to make sense of things around me. I really enjoyed just capturing life through poetry and it just became something that I returned to throughout my life. Poetry for the People was a program at UC Berkeley that was started by the poet, humanitarian activist, June Jordan. And it was a program where you study different cultural traditions of poetry by people of color all over the world. I got in the program when I was at UC Berkeley and a big element of the program was it was about taking a risk with your writing and not to hold back. So we were really encouraged to see our lives as important and see our personal as political. And so that program really impacted my voice as a writer because it introduced me to poetry and poets that I just had never known about. You know, Lucille Clifton, who was a big influence, a poet named Ruth Foreman. There was not a lot of poetry that um, was presented to me that was from a contemporary Black woman's perspective that I could really see myself in. So Ruth Foreman had these poems that just really illustrated like daily life of Black women, of Black people in Lamert Park, you know, on the bus, carrying a bag of collard greens. Like it was just images that were so um, just exciting to me. And I was like, wow, so I can just write poetry about, you know, my lived experience and, and really paint a picture and use specific details and, and rhythm. She was using African-American vernacular and, and that celebrated. Like, I don't have to just try to adopt this like 
you know, old English European voice to write a poem. Oh, that was just amazing. I write poetry because it is my way of speaking my truth. Prom. I asked you, will you go to prom with me? My mom found my dress in San Francisco. Last dream on the rack. We pulled it off so fast, flew down the street with an iridescent lavender miracle in the backseat. I was smiling in a North Oakland house. Cameras still had film, brown fingers cranked them, and I was a black princess wondering if I was the only one. You were asking how I wanted to pose, how I wanted to be held. I just wanted to be yours. Everyone was so gentle, remembering how love once found them, the air was gentle. We rode in the back seat with cologne and perfume on our necks, a potion. Stevie was at the wheel, I don't remember the fog. I was holding in my stomach so it wouldn't poke out. I was loving the way we looked in the glass. Remember Nellie playing and black girls' eyes rolling? Remember the taste of apple cider and plastic flutes on our fingers? Denny's afterward and the distance made by the table between us? I didn't know how to touch. That night, I had the stars under my fingers. I saw the whole bay in your eyes. I see your eyes now and I don't feel anything. You are bigger than the memory and I am living in a world apart. What if we could all go out into the world like it's prom, like it's new and fresh and real, like time stops just for a night to be beautiful, to be held. I had a very special prom experience and I'm also really invested in prom as like this rites of passage for for teenagers. I really wanted to create a portrait of that night and all of the the feelings and images and sensations and and really give a sense of that world that I experienced. Another important element of this poem is this idea of being held. And there's a moment in this poem where my prom date asked me, you know, how do you want me to hold you for this picture that we're about to take? And I just really thought that's really beautiful if we could have that type of care, that kind of gentleness in our everyday lives. So really showing what it feels like to be cared for by the people around you. Places is very important for this poem. That San Francisco location is really about finding my prom dress. Like it, it took a lot to find that dress. And I have a line where it says, last dream on the rack. Because there's this image and this dream of what you want your prom dress to be. And that was, when we saw that dress, it fit right into that dream. So we just snatched it off. And, and San Francisco is really wrapped up into this place of glamour. 
And then, you know, it really transitioned into Oakland, into this North Oakland house. And that was the the place where my prom date's grandmother lived. For a lot of people of color and African-Americans, that's actually one of the more special moments of prom is when your family is kind of seeing you off in the living room and showing and really kind of bathing you in love and and you're taking these kind of pre-prom photos. And we're in this just really beautiful home that's, you know, seen generations and has so much culture and story in in the interior. This place where our families are are filling us with love and and really letting us go out into the world, you know, as these kind of kind of royalty prince and princess type people. Love me before the city disappears. Let us eat where brown hands stir deep pots and the air is all black elder dreams circa Oakland 1970 and laughter unafraid, hands on hips, moving in for a Sunday kiss over a damp lunch counter, catfish, suede shoes, and wiry afros moistened over. Find me walking those same streets, stared at, a brown intruder in a city of tech ghosts. Come get me at the Emeryville Theater where we saw poetic justice kiss Tupac under a blanket, where we spun wild in red cushioned seats, dropped popcorn on our feet, fresh perms and Old Spice, a hood perfume. Love me before the city disappears. Tell me memories mean something, and I will carve your face on a tree, never cut it down, guarded with what slaps and surprises, sage and old E-40 cassettes from an OG's trunk. Can we love in a city lost? Can we touch in a city gone? I'm still here. The poem, Love Me Before the City Disappears, I wrote in 2019. And it really came out of seeing the the city change, seeing the East Bay change and wanting to remember, remember the Oakland that, you know, my father and mother were a part of. And then pivot to the present day, where I'm on those same streets and I just don't feel welcomed. Like I feel out of place and I'm, I'm walking down a street that has changed drastically. So there comes this declaration of love me before the city disappears. Like let's take advantage of this life and this love before we don't have anything here. When I say those lines, can we love in a city lost? Can we touch in a city gone? It's like, yes, we can. (laughs) We can do that. But there's this sadness that kind of inhabits those lines. And I think it is definitely possible to keep going and keep living despite the erasure of home and the erasure of, you know, a place. 
but there's a deep sadness in that erasure. So I think I really wanted to kind of just propose that and, and really have the reader ponder what it means to lose a big part of yourself, but still have the capacity to love despite that. I'm painting a picture of a culture of a people that are, you know, being threatened by, you know, the, the waves of redevelopment and gentrification and, and high ho housing costs that a lot of people have to move out of the East Bay, honestly. So it's really a, you know, an opportunity for me to create a world that cannot be erased. That was filmmaker and poet Najla McMean speaking with producer Maria Esquinka. Speaking of Maria, she created the script and conducted the interview that you heard with Najla. Christopher Beale and I produced this episode. We got additional editing support from Kiana Mogadam, our senior producer of podcasts. If this episode spoke to you, if it reminded you of someone, or if you have a poet in your life, I have a quick favor to ask. Please send it to them. Word of mouth is one of the best ways you can help us grow our show. And you can keep in touch with The Bay on Twitter at The Bay KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. Hey, I want to give a big thank you to the Bay Podcast and all the team that made that episode possible. Heads up to all of you out there that we are going to be dark next week for Memorial Day, but we'll be right back after that. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.